0: All right, we're live, according to this thing. I was just explaining to the people here that we're on solid ground. We're sitting on John Knox books with the little laptop here. Christ is risen. He is risen risen Amen. Thank you. Good to hear. Um, Welcome from everybody, whatever home you're at and everything like that. Glad that you're here. Odd as this still is to me. And I hope you're doing fine by your homes, that you're doing well that the men that you are um, being priests to your homes, that you're taking time to open his word and sit with your wife and your children and talk about the things of God, instruct from the word, ask questions, um, extremely important. So make sure you continue to have family worship and build Christ's kingdom in your home there. And we look forward to seeing everybody again here, hopefully in the flesh, um, soon sooner than later. And it's crazy, I know. So we have our passage this morning. Our text is John chapter 11. So if you want to turn there, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. John 11, 25 and 26. And the scripture reads, Jesus said to her, talking about Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? May God bless the reading of his word. The title of my sermon this morning is Easter 2020. Judgment, delusion, and repentance. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have um, to talk about the things of you on this odd Easter Sunday across America. Lord, we are thankful that we are able to communicate with each other through this technology. But Lord, we desire to have fellowship with one another soon. Lord, we ask and pray that each home where Mercy Seat is meeting would be blessed by you today, that those who gather there would have good fellowship and be blessed. And I ask that you use this sermon mightily and help me to declare that which you've given me to preach this morning. Use the sermon mightily for good in the hearts and minds of the hearers. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question here in our text is needed for us to ask all Americans. And that is, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that? He would die, that he did die, and that he rose again from the dead. That is a needed question for all of us to ask Americans. Because this is a dark Easter Sunday. Churches are closed across America and around the world under order of civil government. And I understand, you know, the church is the people. It's not the building. But there's some serious symbolism involved here. The fact that the churches are closed down all across America, nearly every state in America. In the past, churchmen barred the state entrance into the church because they wanted to uphold the authority of the church and preserve righteousness. Now, here, on this Easter Sunday, the state bars entrance to the church And churchmen comply because the paternal state has told them it is best for you. So the church actually barred entrance to the state, barred entrance into the church by the state in times past to uphold the authority of the church and to uphold righteousness. And now here we see churchmen of our day doing the exact opposite. We see the state doing the exact opposite. The state is barring the door of the church, and the churchmen are complying with it. So whereas the state in the past would comply with not coming into the church, if the churchmen barred the door, now we have the churchmen not coming in when the state bars the door. Romans 13, you know. We should obey. The churchmen have long obeyed, and every edict of the state Due to their bogus assertions about Romans 13. And they can the churchmen of our nation have proven that they can accommodate themselves to any evil the state does, that they can be indifferent to any evil that the state does, including the murder of innocent pre-born babies, including sodomy running rampant, including marriage being impugned by the governments of men. They can comply, they can obey. And so they have no problem obeying this either when they're told you can't meet on Sunday. I had numerous ministers tell me we are duty-bound to obey the state and not meet this Easter day based on Romans 13. So I went to Romans 13 and simply pointed to the text. And the scripture says there that the magistrate is to reward those who do good and to punish those who do evil. And I simply asked them, is it evil to attend church? Is it evil to attend church? And why would the magistrate be punishing us? Because if you do have church, you will be punished. You will be charged. You will be at least ticketed, maybe taken to jail and prosecuted by the state if you meet. Is attending church evil? No. So no, civil government shouldn't be punishing those who go to church. Civil government has punished those who do evil. Attending church is not evil. Can't the elderly and immune compromised stay home? Isn't that what they always do? Do through any type of viral system during the winter? And then I asked them, would you report us to the state authorities if we did meet anyway? (laughs) Because I'm convinced most of them would report us to the civil authorities. Most ministers would. In fact, Homeland Security has a video that they made for ministers. This was years ago now, a few years back, where they recruited ministers to be part of Homeland Security and FEMA in order to calm the masses and particularly, and this is the government's own words, to employ Romans 13 to keep everybody in line. And that's the type of ministers we have in America today. Did you know right now the ministers in America are lining up their churches to get $10,000 on the small business loan that was given? And there's Christian legal groups teaching them how to get the money. So here we have the government sending everybody money in a check. And now we have the churches going to get a bigger check for the church itself, teaching people what? That they're dependent upon the state. That they take the shekels, not realizing with those come the shackles. And they can justify it all in their mind. It's a it's a we're in a bad way here. So, as I said in the past, churchmen barred the state entrance into the church because they wanted to uphold the authority of the church and preserve righteousness. Now the state bars entrance to the church and churchmen comply because the paternal state has told them it is best for them. You remember the churchman Ambrose? He actually barred entrance to Theodosius, the Roman emperor. Didn't allow him into the church till Theodosius repented of the evil he had done in slaughtering innocent people. I posted this week at our church Facebook wall the sermon I did about Eutropius which was really John Chrysostom's sermon where he talked about how Eutropius was protected from the state authorities when he fled to their church building there in the fourth century. Churchmen should have opened their doors. This is one time I wish Mercy Seat had a building so we could have done so. We don't have a building by design. And this isn't about that. The sermon isn't about that. Many churchmen are instead aiding and abetting the media and government's narrative of fear, hysteria, and doom, and hence the need for tyrannical government actions by acting like the virus is actually all they say it is. This awful, we're all going to die thing. You may have seen this past week that Kenneth Copeland blew on COVID-19. And he blew it out of the world, if I have that right. It wasn't just the United States, right? It was he blew COVID-19 out of the world. Okay, He's all focused on the virus. And most ministers aren't that dopey or goofy to do that, like Kenneth Copeland did, aiding and abetting the narrative of the government that way. But they all like to simply stroke the wool of their sheep and declare nice platitudes about care, love, and concern. We'll get through this. Treating them like little children, little babies, not men, not Christian men, not Christian women, like little babies. They're busy telling their people, peace, peace, when there is no peace, like the prophet of old prophesied about. That's what most ministers are doing in America this Easter Sunday. Some have called the virus the judgment of God on America. I cannot and will not do that because the virus is not the mountain they have made it into. They are making a molehill into a mountain. Just look at the numbers. And for that reason, I will not call this the judgment of God. I will not aid and abet their narrative regarding this virus. Bill Bennett published a article this week, and he pointed out that each month in America, 54,000 Americans die from heart disease, 50,000 from cancer, 14,000 to asthma, bronchitis, and emphysema, 12,000 to stroke, 10,000 to Alzheimer's, 7,000 to diabetes. Since February in America, two months now, two whole months now, since coronavirus has made its debut here, we have 20,500 deaths for COVID-19. That's two months, 20,500 deaths over a two-month span, whereas in a one-month span, 54,000 die from heart disease, 50,000 from cancer, and on down the road. Worldwide, from January 1st till now, this day, there's been 108,000 deaths from COVID-19. And that includes their fudging of the numbers. Because it's of unproven. You can see all the medical people here in America who've even made YouTube videos now. And doctors who've been on newscasts pointing out that The way they're being told to report these deaths is wrong, and it's never been done this way for anything in the past, that if the person has any kind of other morbidities, they are to, and they die, they are to say they died simply because of the fact of COVID-19. If they have COVID-19, they died of COVID-19. Doesn't matter if they have all these other diseases. Doesn't matter if they went through the windshield of a car in an accident. They had COVID-19, mark it down as COVID-19. We know the other nations have been doing that too because we showed this in news reports like the Telegraph newspaper out of London pointing out that Italy was claiming that all these people died of COVID-19. And when when the authorities looked into it outside of their authorities, they found that 88% of them were labeled as dying from COVID-19 when they didn't die from COVID-19. They already had two, three, or four other morbidities. So even with all these extra numbers they've thrown in, they're still at 108,000 deaths for COVID-19 worldwide. That's nothing like the Spanish flu, is it? No, the Spanish flu, they say was at least 20 million. They regularly say 50 million. We're not anywhere in that ballpark, anywhere near that. This is not that, yet they use the Spanish flu to scare everybody. So 108,000 have died from January 1st till today of COVID-19. During that same period worldwide, 130,000 died from the regular seasonal flu. 290,000 died by malaria. 350,000 died by suicide. 375,000 died from traffic accidents. 460,000 died from AIDS. 700,000 Died from alcohol. And did you notice the alcohol stores are still all open in Wisconsin? But the churches aren't. 1,500,000 have died by smoking. 3,000,000 have died by cancer. 3,000,000 have died from hunger. And 12,000,000 have died from abortion. So here you have these numbers, and then you have COVID-19, 108,000. Does that give you a little perspective in comparison? All the fear, hysteria, and unjust government actions produced from what is a meager virus, numbers-wise. And that is with, in country after country, including ours, beefing the numbers up. So some have called the virus the judgment of God on America. I cannot and will not do that because the virus is not what they have made it out to be. It is a means of death for some, as all those other things I've listed are a means of death for some. They are, however, making a molehill into a mountain. Just look at the numbers. In my first sermon on COVID-19, I talked about how God uses delusion as part of his judgment. Remember that? And I went to Isaiah chapter 66, verses 3 and 4. And I went to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. Understand this and listen to me now. The delusion here is not the virus itself. The delusion is not the virus itself the government of nations, including our nation, have used this virus by design. They have used this virus by design for further state power in and over people's lives. So I will not say, as some are, that the government officials are deluded, though some may be. But this was done by design by wicked men. And to put it out there to you as quickly as I can. You just have to look at Bill Gates and his um, friends like Fossey, who's there at Trump's briefings every day, and Birx. Um, They are protégés of Gates in his worldwide vaccination crusade. Fossey is on the board of Bill and Melinda Gates Leadership Foundation. So in last October, there was Event 201, which took place in New York City, all about a virus, a worldwide pandemic virus, a coronavirus starting in Wuhan, China. And the man who funded that, some of the men who funded it, was Bill Gates, Michael Bloomberg, other wicked, wealthy men. It was hosted by the World Economic Forum. Go to the World Economic Forum's website, go under platforms at the top, click on COVID-19 and see their diagram. Just scroll down a little bit, see their diagram for global governance to take over every last person on the planet and to reestablish the global economy. They had this planned already. And they're using this virus for that. And the means to accomplish world domination over everyone's life is the vaccine. They want everyone, and they've, they've stampeded the vast majority already into the arms of the government to get the vaccine. Anybody who doesn't go along with it, yeah, we'll see what they have to do with that. After you go to their website, World Economic Forum... Type in at YouTube ID2020 and ID2020 started in 1999 with a $750 million grant from Bill Gates. And in there, they intend to ID every person on the planet. And one of the reasons they want to do that is to make sure everyone has been vaccinated. So I'm not going to call this the virus the judgment of God because it's been done by design, by evil, wicked men, okay? So for that reason, I don't look at the virus and say, oh, it's a terrible virus and we're all going to die. No, it's men using a mediocre virus in order to accomplish their ends in the earth. They are using the fear and hysteria of the virus to stampede people into the arms of the government. A virus is the perfect narrative for tyranny, so the delusion is not among the government officials who all do their bidding. And there's Fossy right up there with Trump each day and Burks. And there's Bill Gates on every news outlet on the planet preaching his nonsense. So the delusion is not among the government officials, though some are deluded. But the true delusion, and that's what I want to get to. And some of you are like, thank you. <laughs> You're finally getting to it. <laughs> The true delusion is among the people themselves. The delusion is among the people themselves. The delusion is the belief that the government has their best interest at heart. That's the delusion. And that their tyrannical actions are therefore needed and necessary. This is a great delusion for people to think that. I posted yesterday... I can't get my hair cut in the state of Wisconsin, but I could murder my son or daughter via abortion. So the abortion clinics are open, the liquor stores are open, the churches are shut down. But all these dopey Christians still keep telling me that this government has our best interests at heart. That is a delusion that you think a government like this has your best, that they really care about the elderly. That is a delusion. They are leftists, they're statists, who always find one group of people to make everybody else feel bad about so that they'll go along under the guise of compassion and concern with the evil that the statists and leftists wants to get accomplished. And this matter of them thinking that the government has their best interests at heart is in keeping with the idolatry of our age, namely statism. Statism is the idolatry of our day here in America. Most all, unbeliever and Christian alike, look to the state as the be-all and end-all, as the corrector of every wrong and the fixer of every ill. That is statism. They look to the state as father, and I say that with a capital F. They look to the state as father because most all look to the state as father rather than to the Lord himself. And that's why these ministers are listening to the paternal state, which claims to have their best interests at heart. Because we have given the state the place of God, and we have done that many ways, and that isn't what this sermon is due, it is to lay them all out. I've done that numerous times in the past. Because we have given the state the place of God and have declared the state to be God by virtue of how we think and conduct our lives, the Lord has given us over to that God. He is allowing us to get our bellies full of the state. He will show us what a taskmaster the state is. Remember the Jews after they were delivered from Egypt in Exodus chapter 16? Remember, they began to complain about their bellies not being full, eating all that wonderful food they used to eat. Understand, they were slaves, okay, back in Egypt, but what was more important to them was how their bellies were full, and they were willing to go back to Egypt and go back into slavery for their bellies. I'm telling you, that is Americans, overwhelmingly so. There is your average American. There's your average Christian American. There's your average Christian pastor. And that is how most Americans are slaves to the state, and they're good with it as long as their bellies are full. We are a people in rebellion to the Lord. American Americans need to repent. So we've talked about the judgment, we've talked about the delusion. We need to talk about repentance because we are a people in rebellion to the Lord. America and Americans need to repent. Those of us who name the name of Christ need to repent. We are worthy of his judgment. We have spilt the innocent blood of millions of preborn babies. We allow sodomy and teach it in our schools, uphold it with our laws and now accommodate it in our theological writings and pulpits. We allow two men or two women to marry and besmirch our Lord's created order And the picture he uses in Ephesians 5 regarding our relationship to him as his bride. All this evil and all conform, the people and the pastors. Romans 13, you know. We need to repent. The evil and injustice we do in our nation and export from our nation is a great evil in the sight of the Lord, and we must repent. And we must call our nation, including the magistrates, to repentance. One of the things I do is I go on Facebook to communicate with my state magistrates about this matter. Post articles. You can't post on their Facebook page, but you can make comments for their posts. This is very important to do. So I'm able to instruct them regarding this bogus hysteria, Regarding the virus, I'm able to communicate not only to them, however, by using Facebook, but also to all kinds of people that is massively important for you to do. And repentance is part of my message to them that we have forgotten God and we need to get right with him. I, of course, instruct them in their duty of interposition against the governor and the ill behavior that leftist man has brought in our state. We are worthy of his judgment. We have the perfect storm for his judgment. Not only are the magistrates in rebellion to him, but the people at large are also. And what makes the matter worst of all is that we have a church in America that has decided to play the whore. Traitors fill the pulpits. Fealty to Christ is gone. A desire to be liked has taken over. This is the delusion that the state can save us. That's the delusion. This is the idolatry of our nation and of our times. We put the state in the place of God. We look to the state in everything and we obey the state in everything. There's a saying often attributed to William Penn although you can never prove it, you can never document it, but it's attributed to him. And it's this, if men will not be governed by God, then they will be ruled by tyrants. If men will not be governed by God, then they will be ruled by tyrants. And this is true. History shows it to be true. The word God declares it to be true, that nations that live in rebellion to him are judged by him. And he often uses state authorities who become tyrannical in order to wake the people up to their idolatry, to their evils, to repentance, to get right with him. The scripture declares in Psalm 917, quote, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God, unquote. Not some of the nations, all the nations will be turned into hell that forget God. And America has forgotten God. It was Alexander Solzhenitsyn, after being in a Soviet labor camp for eight years and escaping their grasp, made it over here to America, and when he arrived, he was asked by the press How did this happen? How has the Soviet Union become so tyrannical? And Solzhenitsyn responded by simply saying this, and the press hated him forever after he said it and spurned him. He said, this is why that has happened over there. He said, quote, men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened, unquote. And that's what we are, a nation of people, drunk on our materialism and ease, and we've forgotten God. And God will punish us for it. And it's a mercy that he does. It's a mercy that he does. That he doesn't let us just continue in our evil. But will we repent? Will we humble ourselves before him? Will we live for him in our personal lives, in our homes, in our workplace, in the public realm? Will we make him known, instructing the magistrates, standing out on street corners and calling people to repentance? of sin, pointing men to Jesus, will we do it? It needs to be done. Men have forgotten God in our country. And that's why this is happening in America. What we're experiencing right now. You do understand they don't expect this to go away. If there's a relief from it, they're talking about the next one and the next one and the next one. The nutcase out on the East Coast, he was talking about doing this for 18 months. Obama's last advisor, 18 months. We have forgotten God. Listen to me now. This is an important point. All these points have been important. This is important too. Atheistic nations always produce status nations. Just look at history. Atheistic nations produce statist nations. When men reject the God of the Bible, they're going to replace him with someone or something. And overwhelmingly, what they replace him with is the state. And you can see that in modern history like crazy. You can see it going back in time. Even in Rome where they had a million gods, Everyone knows most of the people there, especially the leadership, were all atheistic. They didn't truly believe in God. They replaced him with all these little myriad of gods with their little dopey temples. Religion is inescapable. If you spurn and rebel against the rule of the Lord, you'll replace his rule with something else. And what it is time and time again is the state. And then the people have to see What a horrible taskmaster the state is. Didn't we see this in the book of Judges? They would spurn the Lord. God would bring his judgment. And then, boom, they would turn back to him. Then they'd do it again. So here we sit in America on Easter Sunday with our church doors barred by the state. When the state gains this kind of power over the people, they have become a beast. And the scriptures often symbolize tyrant governments of men and wicked magistrates as beasts. The book of Daniel is one place where that's done. The book of Revelation is another place where that's done. We see King Nebuchadnezzar being reduced to like a beast of the field. We see Jesus referring to King Herod as a fox. The scriptures often use tyrannical governments of men and tyrannical magistrates. The scripture always uses, often uses beasts as a symbol for them. Look at Proverbs chapter 28, verse 15. Proverbs 28, verse 15. The scripture reads, like a roaring lion and a charging bear, those are beasts, is a wicked ruler over poor people. The scripture often uses beasts as a symbol of tyrannical governments or tyrannical magistrates. This is why the Magdeburg Confession and what happened there with after Luther died in Magdeburg, Germany, when one city stood down the entire Holy Roman Empire and won, while everyone else was quoting Romans thirteen. You can read from the days there. There's nothing new. The ministers, the vast majority of ministers during that era, 500 years ago, after the Reformation, were, were quoting Romans 13. Just like the ministers of our day. They would obey no matter what. And the ministers of Magdeburg refuted their thinking in their Magdeburg confession. And in their confession, they talk about the Beowulf. The Beowulf was a beast of German folklore, which Luther, before he had died in 1546, had used as a symbol of wicked governments of men, the Beowulf. And so these ministers and the magistrates of Magdeburg took that symbol, spoke of it, because they were up against a beast. And we're up against a beast. And just as it was their duty to be true to Christ in the midst of it all, we must be true to Christ in the midst of it We must say what needs to be said while most of the ministers and Christians are playing the whore and doing their little goofy religious stuff that they've done forever and think they're going to be able to continue to do. We must be true to Jesus. We must be true to Christ like those men were. We must tell the magistrates what they need to hear Rebuke them when they need to be rebuked. Instruct them when they need to be instructed. We must call this nation to repentance. Point them to Jesus Christ. We must live the life in our personal lives, in our homes, in the marketplace. We must do it. We don't just say, well, we're under judgment now, so we're going to go and be quiet. Is that what the Magdeburgers did? No. It isn't what Christian men do. They make a stand for what's right. Right. And they are willing to take whatever comes their way, even if it's death, because they're true to him. They're more interested in fealty to Jesus than they are in being liked and playing the role of the little stroker of the wool. I love you. I have concern for you. We'll make it through this. Peace, peace, peace. I guarantee you that's 95% of the pulpits in America today, and it's disgusting. We must repent. We must call our nation to repent. We must call the nations of the world to repent. We must call the governments of men to repent. We must point them to Christ and to his rule. Jesus said in our text, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Even though we die physically, we live eternally. As he goes on to say, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You always, you continue on. It was just a transformation from here to there. You cross over the river. Amen. And then he asks, and this is what we need to ask all of America do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That is what they need to hear. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Lord, we rejoice in you and we thank you that you have preserved your scriptures so we can know your ways and your thoughts. And we thank you for the faithful men and women who lived for you days prior to this, who we can look at and see how they stood true to you, O Lord, faithful. And, Lord, I just ask and pray that you help each one of us do right by you in our personal lives, Lord, in our homes, within family government. Help each man to open your word to his wife and to his children, Lord, I just ask and pray that you give each one hunger for you, desirous to live for you. Lord, fill us with fill us with the boldness to speak to the magistrates. Give them ears to hear. Those who do not know you, may they be convicted in heart by your Holy Spirit of sin, righteousness, and judgment. May they come to know you. Those who do know you, may they see that you speak to all matters of life, including matters of civil government, and that they would do right by you regarding the office they possess. Lord, we give thanks and we give praise to you for your goodness to us, that you redeemed us, that while we were yet sinners, you loved us, that you brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. We thank you for this, O God, and rejoice in it. And therefore, Father, may we live our lives in service to him who died in our stead. For surely we deserve to have been put to death for our sins. But he took upon himself our sin, so that if we would believe in him, we could have forgiveness of our sin and obtain right standing with you. And all within our being cries out, now we know why we exist, to live, to glorify you. Praise your holy name, Lord. All glory unto you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Father, amen. Amen.